0: Broncos all-decade tackle Orlando Franklin, two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown, former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson, 104.3 The Van welcomes you into the Players Club.
1: The past is the past, it doesn't matter, Right? The domination of the Raiders over the Broncos over the recent years, that doesn't matter, right? I mean, that doesn't weigh on these guys. That's not in their minds, is it? The Broncos finished last in the AFC West last year with a 5 and 12 record. The Raiders bested them by one game. Two of the victories that the Raiders had were against the Broncos last year. Um, so 6 and 11, the Raiders ended up. Chargers 10 and 7, Chiefs 14 and 3. Right now, though, they're all 0 and 0, Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's only game one of a 17-week season, okay?
2: Is this a must-win for the Broncos? <laughs> Honestly, Nate, I think every game in the NFL is a must-win game once you get to the regular season until it becomes at the end of the year where now it's, hey, we're going to rest our guys because this game really and truly does not matter. You know, we're going to, you know, you used to see it a lot. Indianapolis used to deal with Peyton a lot. Where whether they won or lost, it had no effect on the seed. So now it becomes a situation where it's not a must win. But in my opinion, when it's the national football league, every one of these games matter. So for me, it doesn't matter that it's the start of the year and that you have 17 of these things. It is a must win game. Like even when coaches would say, Hey, we got to find a way to be to win the quarter when they had 16 games, right? You got to be three and one in the quarter. And if you if that holds true the whole entire year you're a 12 and, and four football team yeah which you're going to punch your ticket to the postseason being a 12 and four football team but for me it was always like every single game my thought process was must win
1: yeah same with me that's how it's sold to the players um, that's how we feel every every game going into it we have to win this game my life is riding on this game this every play needs to be made but in the grand scheme of things I mean uh, I it's not a must win. To me, it's not a must win. It's the first game in the Sean Payton era. He doesn't know what he has in that building. Um, can you still make the playoffs and lose your first game? Absolutely. Does, did the Broncos even need to make the playoffs this year? No, they do not. Yes, it's a must win as a, as an athlete, as a team. You go into it believing that. But grand scheme of things, is
2: this a must win? No. Well, see, for me, it's a little bit opposite. I get what you're saying, but, Look what Sean Payton was talking about. I'd be really upset if this is not a playoff team. Well, by that account, it's a must win. I know no, you can't I, make the playoffs if you don't if you lose this game. Um, your your chances are going to drastically go down in my opinion. playoffs.
3: Playoffs.
2: Um, how though? I mean, like how? Wouldn't they? Oh, this one game? It. it Yeah, and then it's then it's another game. Then it becomes another game. Well, if you lose all the games, then it's— Like, your season's going to get harder. You don't know who's going to be available. You are at full strength. You are going against an opponent that has lost a little bit more football games that probably is not thinking about winning at all. See, like, the thought process, like, you sit here, and when you're in those locker rooms, right, everybody's being told the same exact thing. Sean Payton is telling them that we could go shock the world. We could go win a ton of football games and maybe we could even go you know win a Super Bowl. You That's think what you're these saying co- that? I was on the teams I was on teams that were bad as hell that the coaches were telling me that. And you look at it. I remember this offseason I came on these airways and said, "Really and there's only six or seven teams each and every year that do have a roster to go win a Super Bowl." You gave me pushback on that. Yeah, Tag because gave there's more, well, there more that. than that.
1: <laughs> every team that makes the playoffs can go win a Super Bowl. Okay. okay. I mean, the sixth seed goes and wins the Super
2: Bowl all the time. Okay. What do you mean? I, okay. I saw Tennessee. Okay. Okay. A, a team like Tennessee wasn't winning anything. Okay. Uh, who else was in the playoffs last year? There were uh, The Dolphins, even though that was a really good football team, you were one hit away from the now just, or, or Tua wasn't even back at that point. So, you see how drastic that is. So, one player could get hurt on the football team and then all of a sudden your playoff hopes or your Super Bowl hopes are completely vanished. That's typically how it goes at the quarterback position. Look at San Francisco last year. They go into the NFC championship. They think they're, they're going to go win a Super Bowl. Well, Brock Purdy what second series of the game and then Josh Johnson when that happened with him where he got dinged up. Now, all of a sudden, you can't throw the ball 10 yards down the field. And those are football teams that the roster's built the right way. So, I get what you're saying, but with the Broncos' history and how this team is constructed, I don't think that this team, I think this team lacks depth. You better go out there and try to win as many games as possible and see what happens. Of course,
1: I'm not saying you don't try to win. What I'm saying is that your season isn't over if you lose this game.
2: It's week one. Obviously, your season's not over if you lose this game. You just said your playoff chances are screwed. With the Broncos, I think that if they start dropping down drastically, I think there's a lot better teams on the back half of this schedule than there is on the front half.
1: There's some teams on the back half of the schedule you think are going to be good that are not going to be good. It happens think, every year.
2: I think absolutely. You look And then you look at teams that will choke as well. There are so many different things that could happen. I look at a team like Cincinnati a couple years ago. They made it to the Super Bowl with one of the worst offensive lines in the history, giving up records in the postseason.
1: How did they make it to, to the Super Bowl. those refunds? A
2: heck of a coach. Um, the quarterback being there in it each and every time and making plays. So hopefully Russ is able to do that. But this year is all about can Russ do that or can he not? Do it. So it's all about fixing them, right? Right. On all these different things. So how is it a must win if there's so many unanswered questions here? Every game's a must win until you
1: have it locked up. I think this is going to change my opinion on that. I'm not trying to change your opinion. This is a semantic argument, okay? Yeah. Can you win the Can you win the Super Bowl and lose the first game of the season? Is that possible? I'm sure that's happened a bunch of times. Right. And so, in that regard, it's not a must win
2: but where the broncos are at right now roster level where the question marks that surround russell wilson right now you look at this wide receiver room if you lose this game do you think that this team is going to be strong, get stronger and stronger and just what, I hope do you so. think do you think uh, you learn you think from your the, mistakes okay one second please do you think okay. the broncos f- first half of the season is easier or harder than the second half let's
1: start there let's start there uh they play vegas the Commanders, Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bears, New York Jets, Kansas City Chiefs, Green Bay Packers, and the Chiefs. Mm. So you play the Chiefs twice, you play the Jets, who are supposed to be good, Miami, who's good, Washington, who's pretty good, Vegas, who's a division rival and, and, and beat your butt uh, a lot. Um, so let's say, okay, that's your front half. Back half, the Buffalo Bills, Minnesota Vikings, Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, the chargers in vegas i think the front i think the first eight are harder than the back nine to me
2: the first eight are harder than the back nine correct okay so on the back of nine do you think more teams are going to be playing for more do you like the bronco do you, do you like the broncos depth we are fixing to find out orlando do you,
1: okay do you like the we're do you fixing like the, out. do you like the new england patriots depth uh
2: a little
1: bit better than the broncos i'll tell you that you know you some, know their depth you uh, know their uh, roster uh,
2: i I like to think that i got to put a good grasp on majority of the, the teams in the National Football League, Nate.
1: So the guys who are, uh, account for the depth on the Broncos are the ones who put a 41-0 whooping on the Rams. I do like the depth on this team. Nice. I think that this is a team that is ready, uh, top to bottom, to go compete. So I just how don't... many
2: games are the Broncos going to win this
1: year? Um, let me hold on. Let me look at my crystal ball real quick. Here, let me fire that thing up. Uh, I think this is a nine-win team, personally. And I think it takes a while. Now, we just saw Prime come out and blow our expectations out of the water with how long it takes to make something happen. This is week one of the Sean Payton era. Man, if you could win
2: week one, it's a 10 10 win team increases those playoff chances, man.
1: Look, I played for Mike (laughs) Shanahan. I understand the importance of not only playing divisional opponents and winning those games, but the Raiders, man, and especially the Raiders at home. I was there at Mike Shanahan Day, Ring of Fame Day, where they lost to the Raiders by about 30, and it was disgusting. It was a pathetic display. There is no team you want to get up for more than the Raiders. All I'm saying is, this is the very first game of the Sean Payton era. He has not seen these guys play a lot. They're implementing a new system. If they lose this game, yes, we'll all be sad, but it doesn't mean the season's over, and
2: it doesn't mean they won't make the playoffs. Mm. That's my point. I... I think if the Broncos lose this game, well, first of all, I don't think the Broncos are a playoff team. Let's just start there, in my opinion. I think the ceiling is nine wins, and that's with them winning week one. Um, so when you put it all together at the end of the day, there's too many factors that go into a football season. For anybody to sit here and try to play, oh, my goodness gracious, we're going they're going to win this game, they're going to win that game. Right, We sit here and we try to forecast this where I think, for the most part, it's the most ridiculous thing that we do each and every week. Because when you look at you know, just the game plan, I look at like Jare Bear last year. Jare Bear was able to implement a different game plan in the last two weeks than we saw Nathaniel Hackett implement the whole entire season. Hackett went in and, oh my goodness gracious, we're going to teach wide zone and went in a different direction come week five. We can't account for all that. You know, we watch football games each and every week, Nate, and say, oh, my goodness gracious, Russell Wilson played terrible. But we're not in those meetings. We don't understand his progression. We don't know where he's supposed to be looking at at those times. Just like we don't know with these wide receivers as well. Right. We saw Jerry Judy at the end of last season have a lot of success. Amazing, and then people started talking about because he was at an the X and knowing where he's at with the progression. But we're not in those meetings, so how can we really say that that's the truth, right? So we're constantly sitting here, and for me, what can we know about this football team? There's does do they have great depth? I don't think that they have great depth. You think that they have great great depth? So we're gonna find that out over the course of the season, right? Yeah,
1: I don't know. That's yeah. I, I think that's the point, and I think. Look, we are arguing over semantics. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. The margin for error with the Broncos, this Broncos, because of the unproven depth, right, and uh, it is not great. And so they need to take advantage of the opportunities to win games early because you never know what's going to happen as the season goes on. War of attrition. Guys get hurt. Uh, how's this team going to respond to those moments?
2: Pat Shermer. Man, I mean, where, where's he at? It looks like a high-flying offense up there Sometimes you. there's not much scoring in the first half of games. <laughs> Isn't it wild? Like,
1: like, Pat Shermer is like the man right now. He's like, we were actually
2: trying to throw <laughs> incompletions. That's wild, dude. What does that say about us?
1: It's crazy. Maybe it was us, yeah, not Pat. It. <laughs> Maybe not, it was us, not Nathaniel Hackett. What do we have to do? We have to look in the mirror and get this thing right. All right. Um, hey, join Zach and Noshan as they kick off the season at Cochino Taco in Edgewater. Come celebrate the start of the season Thursday from 11 to 2. That's right, Cochino Taco in Edgewater. All right, an incredible win by the Buffs. We're going to get back on um, the CU Buffs talk. So much emotion, so many eyeballs on them, and they did the unthinkable. How is this going to affect the team
0: going forward? That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Band presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson.
1: (laughs) what's up guys welcome back to the players club uh right before the break we were talking about pat Shermer coaching up there at cu and someone saying pat Shermer's is not the oc at cu that offense has nothing to do with pat fellas well he is an advisor there he's coaching him up he's yeah, we didn't say he was the offensive coordinator, but, oh, but I don't know if you saw the videos from the locker room and, and from, practice. I mean, this guy is addressing the team. He is a coach who has carte blanche to step in front of those young men and tell them what he's feeling, what he's thinking, what he's seeing. So, uh, clearly, um, yeah, it's a small sample size, one game here, but Pat Shermer seems to be having a positive influence.
2: Yeah. just like we're hoping that, guess what? We're hoping that Joe Lombardi has a positive influence on the Denver Broncos this year. I remember he was also the play caller. What was that lead that the Chargers had against the, the
1: Chargers? 27-7 halftime. Yeah, right. yeah,
2: lost that one and yep. became the scapegoat. So, you know, that's the unique thing about football is you could go one place and not have success one place and then go to a different place and all of a sudden business is booming. And that's what we're hoping for the Broncos this year as well because business wasn't really booming um, towards the end of the Sean Payton era. And I really believe that Sean Payton kind of looked at certain things that were happening with that New Orleans football team and said, hey, probably don't want to really really stick around for the next couple of years of this. Mm. Sally Crap nightmare that I kind of put this team into.
1: Wow. So he just cut and run, huh? Maybe. Well, he's in a, he's got a new home now and an opportunity in front of him. Um, but uh, as far as CU goes and the naysayers and the doubters and the non-believers, well... Dion says, I told you so. Ain't none of y'all believe that.
0: Maybe a couple of y'all that knew me and know how I get down, they know I'm a winner. We're going to end up winning. Ain't none of y'all thought you was going to be sitting up here. You're supposed to be on the other side, you know, interviewing that
2: or coming and asking me, well, what happened? You said this and you said that, yeah? Now what? Now what? Everybody quiet now.
1: Now what? (laughs) Now what? Everybody's quiet now. Um Okay, so this is, it worked, Uh keeping the receipts and talking to his team about it. and But he did mention earlier that, you know, there were some players even on the team who came up to him after the game and said, now I believe, right? So it wasn't just the media. It wasn't just the fans who may have been skeptical of being able to turn it around so quick or at least beat TCU because... I guess you can't say that he's turned it around, can can you? After one win, or are we fully expecting them to play like
2: this every game? I think you could have the expectations of a better product out there, but you also have to temper your expectations. Um, Film, right? You know, everybody's looking at, you know, everybody that now plays CU is now looking at them differently after CU just won against TCU. All right, you could go and play your butts off, and and you know we come and we're here. Well, everybody knows that you're here now, so their approach is going to be differently, different as well as far as how they put together a game plan, what they try to do. You know, they're constantly coaches right now for Nebraska is trying to find the weakest link on offense, right, and say, hey, this is where we're blitzing, this is where we're going. You know, looking at the run game as well, the success that TCU had last week in stopping the run. Okay, can we do some of those things? The game is constantly evolving; it's never going to stay the same, and you don't expect it to stay the same. Now we get a real opportunity to see what you know, Coach Prime and his coaching staff can they make the necessary adjustments that have to happen week to week to continue to have success, and can they make the in game adjustments as well?
1: Yeah, I think the the folks surprised myself included that the that the CU Buffs were able to put up that type of performance with 80 new players and a whole new coaching staff. Um, Typically, we feel that, you know, football teams in particular take a while to get turned around because of how many moving parts there are on a football team. Um, You talked about earlier, there's a game within a game everywhere you look on a football field. And you have to coach up every individual athlete in that game and the intricacies of his technique and what he's trying to accomplish. And then, you know, that's, that's one part. And then all these parts come together to form the hole and you hope the hole is competitive out there what do you think how were they able to pull it together so fast in your opinion is it is it good coaching is it just the talent
2: that they brought in is it belief in the system I think is, it's all of the above I think you know obviously you got to have great coaching not just good coaching I think I think you have to have great coaching to kind of put it together when all these guys don't have no cohesion these guys haven't played together when you're you know trying to get everybody to learn the same language. You know, we saw the clip of Dion talking about, man, one fight, we all fight. Like, changing a culture, right? And kind of instilling this day by day. So there's that aspect. There's the aspect of these players coming to work each and every day. Travis Hunter, I mean... Could you imagine the defensive player that was out there cramping and Travis Hunter's on the field? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like you have no excuse if you're any other person. So you have certain guys, and you know how a locker room goes, where there always are certain players that are just a little bit different. And the coaches lean on those players to get the absolute best out of each and every individual that's on the team, and they'll use those guys as examples. So I think it's um, a combination of all the above as far as why – See, you got a big-time win against a, a big-time opponent uh, a couple days ago. Defensively, they're going to have to shore up some things
1: if they want to compete for a national championship. That has to be what they're talking about now, right? In that room, we are going to win every single game, and we're going to win it all. <sighs> wow. It, wouldn't you believe that's the message? I mean, if if Dion was delivering this message a week ago, yeah. what, what? how does the message change after that win?
2: Yeah, I mean... I think Dion was always delivering that message. Why, why not us? Why can't we go compete at the highest level? Yeah. Why can't we go win the, the conference? You know, why can't we just put our heads down and see where it goes? And, you know, obviously, after a big win, you do have more and more people believe in. And like Coach Prime said, with his players, some of the players didn't believe before. And now they're believing as well. So, yeah, if I'm a part of that coaching staff, you know, I'm I'm not outright speaking about a national championship, Nate, but it's in the background. I'm speaking about Nebraska and, and winning against Nebraska. I'm speaking about, you know, you got a tough test against USC. We're going to have a, a bunch of Heisman candidates out there on the field mm. at the same time, That's right? right? That's going to be a nice one. But it, you you can't necessarily look so far down the road, but you definitely are thinking about it in the back of your head. Like, why not us?
1: Yeah, and then the goal will just be to take it one day at a time, one game at a time. There was such a buildup before this game and so many – Articles written and things said and, you know, hopes and expectations and declarations made and uh, taglines and apparel. And it was just the energy and the money and the boosters and the tickets sold and the season tickets and the just the energy around this buildup. And now the CU Buffs are going to have their first home game. They're going to be out there at Folsom Field facing their rivals So how will the CU Buffs respond to that? But I just think, like, you know, was the defensive performance perfect? It was not. But there were some big, huge, enormous plays made in moments that your team really needed it. And being a sound football team, a, a consistent football team is one thing, but having the ability to make a special play in a moment when your team needs it, a game-changing play, is also an, kind of an unheralded sort of quality for a team. Trevor Woods' interception in the end zone, you got to give props to Trevor Woods for that one, and then Travis Hunter, that pick, uh, basically right on the goal line, that um, that changed the game. So, anyway, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. And uh, they'll be the favorites now. And how um, see you
2: going to react to all the eyeballs now expecting them to has, win? Has it shifted? Are they the favorites? I think I, they I are. At first, they were underdogs by double digits. And then I had saw something where now that became like Nebraska by one. I was wondering if you had saw something where... Yeah, so what is the spread,
1: John? It's... Uh, yeah, but, uh, I think it's three and a half or something like that. Um, are favored.
2: or oh, favorite? Well, nice. That's how quickly, <laughs> quickly it turns. Yeah. I mean, that spread changes so quick, right?
1: Yeah. So how we'll see you, uh, you know, uh, respond being the favorites now, not the underdogs. Um, we shall see. All right. Andrew Mason has got a lot to say on this Broncos Raiders. Well, not a rivalry, just a game. Or is it rivalry?
0: We'll ask Andrew Mason next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, Somebody and Nate Jackson. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed She was looking kind of dumb With her finger and her thumb In the shape of an L on her forehead well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't make sense not to live for fun Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb So much to do, so much to see So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know Rest if in you peace. don't glow Steve Harwell Lead singer of
1: Smash Mouth passed away yesterday at the age of 56 San Jose, California native San Jose band, there's not a lot of San Jose bands Smash Mouth was one of them Uh, We'll be playing your music, Steve, forever. We welcome in our buddy Andrew Mason right now on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. He's a senior Broncos writer. DenverSports.com, and it's a big week for the Denver Broncos, Andrew Mason. Is it a must-win or is it not a must-win, or is that just uh, much ado about nothing when it comes to that argument?
3: I mean, is there really a must-win in week one? How often do you have that? I mean... There's, there's a lot of time on the schedule, and if you can improve, there's a lot of chances to reverse a result that you don't want in the first game. So I, I, I hesitate to call it a must-win. I would say that they do need to come out of these first two home games with at least one win. If they are, if they are 0-2, that's a massive problem from which I don't know if they're going to be able to recover if they're 1-1, and out of Las Vegas and Washington, I think they can uh, they can find ways over the course of the season if they develop and improve to get that loss back.
2: Mace, I'm not going to sit here and replay uh, the audio, but just kind of what do you get when Sean Payton talks about this really just being a kind of a game and, and the whole rivalry situation, you think in more college football. Um, you've covered the Broncos for a long time. I just want to get kind of your thoughts on, on that soundbite because I know you've heard it already.
3: I mean, at least he was saying that the division games are are different and on another level. Um, so it, it, it wasn't the whole kind of kumbaya thing that we saw from Nathaniel Hackett last year when uh, the subject of the Raiders came up or the Chiefs came up and he kind of went into just another game, respect for the opponent, blah, 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 blah. I think what for for Sean Payton, what is what it is is kind of putting all of the division games on the same level. And look, I mean, uh, I, you know, Raider Raiders, Chiefs, and uh, even the Chargers. Yeah, the, those as a collective ought to get your blood pumping and get you feeling a little bit different. So honestly, that's kind of what I uh, that, that's kind of what I took from that. That it wasn't they was focused more on just all the division games and their meaning together and having more meaning than just. Okay. This, there's this one. There's this one rivalry. It's it's different, but he just wanted to kind of put it in a specific way. I thought.
1: Yeah, to me, like, you also don't want to build up this game into being some huge, huge, huge game, bigger than any other game, because what happens if you lose it, you know? And then what happens to the letdown? You don't really know who you have in that room yet. If you're Sean Payton, you're starting to figure it out, but you're trying to figure out who your team is. And so why put all that pressure on them to win some huge rivalry game in week one when you're trying to figure out uh, who your team is? That's my opinion. But um, so when it comes to this week one game, the running back room has been, well... Uh, uh, a product of consternation as far as Javante Williams' health and Samaj P. Ryan's uh, capability as possibly a lead back. And then you got Jaleel McLaughlin. How do you see the running back situation shaping up in Week 1 carries-wise? Who's going to get the most touches and who's going to end up with the most yards, Andrew?
3: Okay, I'm. I'm not going to go carries-wise. I'm going to say a percentage. And I think the percentages are going to be, in terms of overall touches, not just carries, but you know, receptions as well as rushing attempts, I'm going to say it's about, about 42% for each of Javante Williams and Samaje Pirine and the other 16% going to Jaleel McLaughlin. And, and how that gets dispersed in terms of rushes and receptions, who who is more involved in the passing game, I think that that, that just depends on the play calling emphasis um, and also uh, how often uh, maybe Russ is checking down to uh, Javante or Samaje Pirine, I think I would expect there may be some design stuff for Jaleel McLaughlin uh, to kind of take to take advantage of his skill set but I, I think that's sort of, that's how it's going to end up squaring up where basically I think you'll see roughly the same workload from uh, Javante P. Ryan with, uh, um, with Jaleel getting the rest.
2: Man, so i got to ask you something about the CU Buffs um, Travis Hunter
3: <laughs> what was it? There was like
2: five minutes left in the second quarter. This young man had already played 50 snaps um with him playing over 100 snaps this past weekend, is this sustainable? You know, Dion. I just saw something where he, Dion said 1.5 million dollars is what teams had offered, you know, or some other programs had offered to try to get him in the transfer portal to to kind of leave Dion's side. But you know, this young man is exciting, and obviously, you know, CU's success. A lot of it depends on his availability. Uh, so, what do you forecast, or what do you see happening for this young man? Is this sustainable?
3: Oh gosh, um, over the course of an entire season, I- I'd say most likely not. You're going to want to be uh, you're going to want to be judicious, and certainly, if this CU team is as good as it looks on Saturday, they may have some opportunities uh, where they're well out in front, uh, perhaps over Colorado State, for example coming up here later this month where they can say, all right, let's, you know, let's ease up on the throttle a little bit. Travis, you, you know, you only have to play about uh, ha- half the snaps, but I mean, if he, he is uh, ex- extraordinarily special. I mean, I think long-term as he gets to the NFL, his future is probably more likely to be uh, on the defensive side. I think he can pr- be a truly dominant lockdown, lockdown defensive back as he gets into the next level. Um, but it'll, 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 it'll be fascinating to see, how they use him, and if they don't come up with something situational, just because 149 snaps, even if you are limiting his practice reps to make sure he's fresh and ready for the game, 149 total snaps in a game is unsustainable and that it's something they're going to have to work with.
1: Andrew, what is the current streak with the Raiders beating the Broncos? Six in a row. Okay, so six in a row, uh, Josh Jacobs has been a Broncos killer. Um, he recently signed his contract, and so he's back out there. And um wondering what your thought is on the Broncos' defense and their their readiness to stop Josh Jacobs and this running attack for the Raiders.
3: Well, and the funny thing, I said six in a row, but uh, if you're talking about just Josh Jacob, Jacobs' games, it's seven in a row because he, the only time the Broncos have won in the last four, four years, which was uh, uh, in the series, which was the last game of 2019, Jacobs didn't play. So like so, it's literally the Raiders have won every time Josh Jacobs has been against, in the land against the Broncos. Um, I, it, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think they, they look stronger up front uh, in, the, in the front seven. I think they have the tools to do better at containing Josh Jacobs. He's going to be fresh, but he's still uh, – is he going to be fully up to speed after a missing off camp, and is he going to have his timing right? I mean, that that could play into things as well. And also, as you know, the Raiders do have a, a decent amount of weapons, but they don't have Darren Waller anymore. So is that going to allow, allow for the Broncos to give just a little bit more attention to Jacobs and make sure that he's contained because you're not worried about that vertical threat in the same way going down the seam that you have with Darren Waller? So everything's a little, everything's a, a little bit different uh, right down to the fact that You've got a different quarterback with a different skill set. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. I know Alex Singleton and Damari Mathis both kind of talked about that yesterday, how you kind of expect something a bit different from the Raiders with Jimmy G. And so I think that that's going to factor into how well they can defend Josh Jacobs still.
1: All right, good stuff, Andrew. Thanks for joining us, pal. You go have yourself an awesome day. Thanks, man. You too, fellas. Have a good one. Yep, there he goes. Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer, Denversports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right. Andrew Mason said some interesting things about the running back room and what he sees as being the, uh, the touch total or at least the percentage of touches with those running backs. We're going to dive into that. And also, Jimmy G. How are the Broncos defense going to stop Jimmy G? That's
0: next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The fan Presents The Players Club With Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson
3: when his daddy would visit, he
0: come along When they gather around, they started talking Dustin Billy
3: would take me a walk in Out to the backyard, we go walking Then he'd look into my eyes Lord knows to nice. surprise The only one who
0: could ever All
1: right, I got a hypothetical for you
2: girl
3: the only one who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher
2: I've been a little I've been a little upset the last couple weeks missing my Friday I don't get to, I don't get to let these pipes blow on Friday and Friday's anymore
1: They won't let you do that on ESPN man How <laughs> about I just call in and
2: just do like the intro
1: Well no when you start you can do that too but when they start the broadcast on ESPN that first couple minutes you guys are sitting there next to each other all awkwardly close and you're talking when he passes the mic to you, you just got to start singing Vanessa Carlton, man. Oh, man. I need you. <laughs> 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 all right, I got a hypothetical for you guys. All right, here it is. The Broncos don't do very well this year. Okay, let's say, like, we're all hoping they do really well. We're all hoping they win the Super Bowl, but let's say that Russell Wilson plays really poorly, actually, and he reveals that maybe he's his better days are behind him. And we got to look for a new quarterback. Simultaneously, right up the road, let's say the CU Buffs go 11 and 1 or whatever. Shadur Sanders has a Heisman type of season and declares himself eligible
2: mm. for the 2024 draft. Do the Broncos go after Shadur? Ah, oh, man, I think the Broncos are definitely going to be in a in the market for a quarterback at that point, right? And if your season's not going well, that means you're picking pretty high in the draft. I think there are some other quarterbacks that they might consider before, but you, you kick the tires on all of them. You, you, until you find your quarterback of the future, you you evaluate each and every individual. And it's, he's right up the road. So the Broncos would be able to get the best look at a guy like Shador Sanders as opposed to maybe a Caleb Williams or, you know, a Travis Hunter out there in Florida, right? Or maybe a Riley Leonard with Duke, Duke Baldwin last night, right? So, um, you know, I've always been a fan of, and that was another thing, like, you know the top 30 visits that the Broncos had? Yeah. So George Payton said something interesting a couple of weeks ago about the different guys that they brought in, and it's not just, like, guys that they were thinking about drafting. They were also, you know, restrict or Undrafted free agents that they're bringing in during those top thirty visits as well, so I would expect Sean Payton, George Payton, this Broncos coaching staff just to do everything possible in order to evaluate um, Sanders up the road for sure. So, one game, small sample size.
1: He absolutely balled the last two years at Jackson State, but this is a new um, level of football, and he's going to have an opportunity to prove it week in and week out. But uh, what a start! Thirty-eight to forty-seven, five hundred ten yards. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and had four receivers over 100 yards receiving. Incredible first game, Shador. Keep it going. All right. Um, before the break, I asked you a question about the Broncos running attack because they short, they did, they made efforts this offseason to shore up that, that part of the game, right? Um, Get an offensive lineman who could block um, in the running game. Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey, um, putting an emphasis on it, trying to change the sort of the culture and not take some pressure off of Russell Wilson. And we, in my opinion, we got a pretty loaded backfield.
2: Mm.
1: How would you approach this week on the ground, knowing Javante Williams is coming off his ACL? Yeah, he had a good training camp and looked pretty good, but at the same time, you want him in in you know week 17, 18 in playoffs. So how would you approach the carries and splitting up carries with these guys?
2: I think that you're still in wait-and-see mode when you look at a guy like Javante Williams. You're going to go into this, and yeah, you could kind of control it the last couple weeks and you know ease back a little bit, but you're still going to probably have to check in with that young man after each and every series. And I think that open line of communication is, ne- is something, it's a necessity in the National Football League because you're only allowed to activate 45 or 46 guys on game day. So even though he's activated, you still have to communicate. And it's got to be like that triangle, right? Where it's Sean Payton at the top. You got Javante Williams at the bottom. And you also have this this athletic trainer and Vinny at, on one of those triangles as well. And constant communication throughout the course of the game to now put Javante in or pull back on Javante. And so Samaj P.
1: Ryan... If, if Javante, you know, is kinda of looking like, hey man, maybe we shouldn't ride him, would you do you feel comfortable with Samaji P, Ryan being your, your lead back, or would you kind of if, if Javante Williams was looking a little banged up, would you be splitting carries with uh Samaje and, and uh Jaleel?
2: So I think that at the start of the season, no matter what, it's gonna be more of a hey, we're gonna do this thing by committee. So I think Jaleel is gonna come out of this game, probably have twenty percent of the offensive snaps. Get a couple carries in there. Maybe it's some screen game stuff, uh, some check down stuff in the passing game on third down. So I think all of these backs are going to play early off in the season. And as the season goes along, I think at that point, some guys will separate yourself and the role will become more clear and defined. What a
1: story, though, with Jaleel McLaughlin coming in here undrafted, earning it every day in training camp, catching the eye of the coaches. And you remember Sean Payton said that after that 49er game, um, that preseason game, it was clear to everyone that Jillio McLaughlin was going to be stick, sticking around. And now he's in a position where, you know, you think 20% of the snaps, you got to think that they're going to dial up some specific plays to try to get him the ball in space, some screens, right? Um, some, some, I don't know, short passes, um, you know. How would you go about trying to get him the ball? Would it be like a, not a gimmick type of thing, but a special
2: thing, or, or just run the offense, and when you're in there, we're running the offense through you. Yeah, so, you know, I'd go, you want me to design it up for you, Nate? Yeah, could you draw me, it up? Give me 11 personnel out there. Okay. Um. Let's go trips right. Okay, okay. Okay, let's put, um. you know, let me get uh, Marvin Mims on the backside, mm. um, split out, and, you know, I'm going to just give Marvin Mims a, a go. Let Let's go up and get it. Russell Wilson is in uh, shotgun, and I'm going to have like a little swing flare route out with Jaleel McLaughlin to the left, where now you create an immediate high-low concept. Does that cornerback back up and is in panic mode because of Mims' ability to just absolutely cut it loose and run? And now, you know, who has Jaleel McLaughlin? Or are they a man-to-man where there's a, a, a linebacker screaming out there to try to cover him out there in the flats? Where now you could convert that into like a, a wheel route and have two verticals on that side. But there there's many different things that you could do to to get this young man the ball where I think he's gonna be special and immediately is in the screen game. I could see a lot of those, you know, Kamara screens and Darren Sproles screens that we've seen under Sean Payton. I think, you know, week one we're gonna see some of those go Jaleel McGloff and get an opportunity at, at some of those.
1: We could see you a little offensive coordinator, huh? You can you are going to drop some plays? Try try to, try to, Dollops. As an offensive lineman, did you ever, like when you are playing, did you ever think about past
2: concepts, like the routes or anything? Um, I I thought about it to a certain extent, right? Always knew like, hey, we're going to try to put the defense in conflict. And, you know, the more spacing that you could get high, low, and kind of get a guy in between where he has to make a decision, the better off you're going to be. And, um... Definitely wanted to have a a good grasp of the quick passing game because I wanted to play downfield as much as possible. Try to clean up the pile. Try to, you know, pick up the running back or, you know, and put, you know, carry him a couple more yards for the first down. You know, those little highlight moments where for me, that's just as good as catching a touchdown, dog, when you're able to do that as an (laughs) offensive lineman.
1: But you know, have you ever caught a touchdown?
2: No, I've never caught a touchdown. I've scored, I've scored a touchdown on defense before, but never caught a touchdown. No.
1: What was the play that you scored a, a touchdown on defense?
2: Um, just a, a we went uh, with uh, we blitzed our two outside linebackers, and I was the defensive end coming off the edge, So I, I pinched the outside linebacker was able to kind of strip sack the quarterback from the backside, and I remember this because when I was playing for Team Ontario. I just dropped on the ball and just gave myself up, and then watching film later on that day. You know, the guys were ragged on me, saying, man, why didn't you pick it up? So the same thing happened like two games later in this <laughs> tournament, and I was able to scoop and score that thing. Took it about 35 to the house. Was oh, is that
1: right? Yes, sir. there was anybody on your back? Did you have to make any jukes? Did you no, like no, just to them? the house. Just, just you to know, the
2: easy? That, that R1 get, get up and goes real quick. Giddy up. Giddy up. I love it, man. You know, that speed burst.
1: It is weird, man. Like just sprinting versus like sprinting with a ball in your hand when there's people chasing you. You gotta relax. You see some dudes just like stiffen up and yeah. fall. You remember Daniel Jones mm. a couple years ago was just like nobody touched him yep. and he fell. Turf Doctor got him. Cur- what doctor? Turf Doctor. Turf Doctor. Sniper. That's what we used to say. Snipe. Sniped. All right, man. Fun show. I'm happy. Happy things went well for you and ESPN. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you, brother. Right. I appreciate it. And uh, oh, before we get out of here. It's King Supers fan pick'em time. You know what time it is. Can you beat the fan hosts? Matt Smith's like, I'm the best, dude. I study it all, dude. I'm so good at it. Can you beat Matt Smith? Can you beat us? You can't. You can't. The weekly winner will get two hundred fifty dollars though to King Supers, and the grand prize winner receives groceries for a year. Wow. Register now at Denversports.com slash picks. To face us, the experts. We know everything about football. You don't know nothing. That's it on the Players Club. Stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.